Yeah. And it was sad because I, you know, literally you say, I'll go to war with these people. I literally went to war with these people, you know? <laughs> and so you're looking at him like, man, this is, this is my brother in arms as long as we're in this situation, but they're okay with me, but they don't, they don't see the bigger picture. And so, uh, yeah, that, that, I, I think that's the hardest part of us growing and learning. It's like, it's okay that you're okay with me, but if you're not okay with my people, I still can't rock with you. What up, what up, what up, what up? It's Three Brothers No Sense. I am Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg. Join my co-host, Rozzy and Buff. Fellas, tell them what's on your mind. I'm annoyed. I'm I'm so annoyed because people just won't let people enjoy things. I'm so tired of folks posting, oh, why are we doing the busted challenge? I'm so tired of the busted challenge. I'm so tired of this challenge. Or, oh, here comes a new challenge. Or, you know, why y'all want to watch anime or whatever it is. It's like it's always somebody complaining about what other people enjoy. Let people enjoy what they want to enjoy. Um, and so it's, I'm just, I'm really annoyed by it. Um, you know, I got a couple Facebook friends that I think we all follow and, uh, you know, that's, that's their MO. It's just, uh, oh, something new that people enjoy. Let me on it. And I'm like, why, why? Like, <laughs> like calm down and let people enjoy their life, man. But what so, if they enjoy on stuff? Riza, you being a hypocrite. Uh-uh. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> let them be great, bro. If that if they if they want to hate, you know, let, let them hate. Just let them, let them hate. I, you know? I don't know, man. It's just I, it's just uh, annoying. And, I'm you know, it, I get annoyed with a lot of the challenges too. But you know me, you know I'm I'm special anyway. So so, so who's complaining about the busted challenge? Because uh, oh oh no, straight uh, yeah. men should be. Loving it. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Uh, I'm loving it. Whose slogan was that? I'm loving it. Was that old? Was that old McDonald's or something like that? Was that the old yeah, McDonald's? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get what you're saying too, because I I get annoyed and stuff, but I I'll keep the opinion to myself. Like if people having fun with it, like what's the purpose of like coming in and saying like I think sometimes a lot of these memes and stuff get overdone and overplayed, but just keep oh, it to yeah. yourself, man. Although I did voice, I, uh, what did I say? Oh, it's one meme with the black dude and the black chick. Oh, and, yeah. And I did say something on that. I'm like, man, y'all are wearing that joint out. <laughs> I mean, there, there's a difference of commentary like that. Like, hey, you know, you know, y'all kind of do overdoing it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a little different than just saying, like, really shitting on people for for just enjoying it. Making, like, making it's one thing to say, y'all. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The man wants you to do the busted challenge so you can degrade yourself. That's why we can't rise as a people and you want me to treat you like a queen, but you won't hear busting it for everybody. Yeah, I can. Uh, hey, it's that, hard to uh, turn a queen, a uh, busted challenge chicken you know to a queen, bro. That kind of falls in line with what I want to talk about. So I watched um, One Night in Miami last week on Amazon Prime. I recommend everybody check it, check it out. But I'm a huge, huge Malcolm X fan. 
But watching that movie, I told Tabitha, I was like, yo, as much as I love Malcolm X, I think it would have been hard to be his friend. Like, he's always <laughs> in your ass. Like, dog, can I just chill? <laughs> like, you always coming at me, bro. Yeah, I like my white woman in port. <laughs> yeah, but he, was, but he was coming at Sam Cook the whole yeah, time, though. man. Dog, he wouldn't let up. <laughs> but sometimes you need that, though, man. I I, I think it was, it, it's, he picked and chose who he was going to do that with. Like and, and and so he chose his battles and you know like the movie shows him seeing Sam being able to lead people uh, and get people on board and he was just kind of squandering that ability. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I love I love the I love the movie. I get it because sometimes I'm that person. I'm that like we could do better person. Like you can do better, but usually. And I kind of go with what you were saying, Rising. I usually voice my opinion to people I I care enough about or I, I think can to, can meet those standards. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not just going to just blatantly just say we all need to do this because I just feel like everybody can't live up to that that standard. But definitely a great movie, uh, Buff. I, I, I watch, speaking of Malcolm X, every time I watched him or he spoke, I'm like, I don't know if he's Barack or Malcolm X right now because I feel like that dude had so many Barack uh, mannerisms and um, I feel like he studied Barack to become Malcolm X. Yeah, I don't know. That was just me. I'm like, this nigga is Barack. Speaking of Barack, what about Michelle? <laughs> she was crushing it. Yeah, she was. She's my first lady. All time first lady, bro. That was just a beautiful thing to watch, man. How everybody inauguration got in general is beautiful, man. It, yeah. I, it, like the inauguration committee did a great job. I mean, it was diverse. You had diversity of thought, diversity of, you know, like people. And and it was very inclusive. You know, Garth Brooks coming and singing. And, and so you, you got you got your country there and everything for, you know, your your, you know, white America or whatever you had uh, J Lo come, they could have kept J Lo, but oh, you know for the Latino community. Um, I mean, there's better Latino singers. Is really yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. It's, I'm not saying they could have not had a kind of Latino <laughs> you, representation. You, you know what I laughed at? You know what the funniest part of J Lo's whole performance was? Oh, when she's like bust out in Spanish. <laughs> I'm like, there are some rednecks. <laughs> she over there talking about, she's like, she over there, Viva La Raza or whatever she said. And they were like, this America. <laughs> you speak, we speak English. You speak, no, we speak American here. <laughs> you know, English is not a thing. It's American. You speak yeah. American? Yes. So I was oh man, I was watching. I was watching a show called Warrior. Um, I don't know if I, I talked about it last week, but in there they kind of do that. They instead of calling it English, they call it American. And they're yeah. like, "Oh, you you have to speak American." Yeah, that's what- another good show. If you guys want something with some action, kung fu in there, it's it's awesome. Speaking of, I'm gonna come clean. I owe you an apology, Rizzy. Mm, you watched that slime thing, huh? Of course not. No, no. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Do you remember when Sonic came out and he got so excited about Sonic and we're like, bro, it's, it's Sonic. Yeah. Sonic's a damn good movie, bro. It is good. Yeah. <laughs> it was a damn good movie. Jim Carrey got his shit off. It was a really good movie. I'm excited about, you know, the sequel. I, I think it's going to be 
I think it's gonna be hilarious. Doctor Robotnik. I mean, they had enough little Easter eggs and gems, like to uh, to to honor the game. And you're like, this is dope. And it was funny. Pure mm-hmm. comedy. Um, yeah. And I started watching Lupin. I started watching Lupin last night. And I like Lupin. I like yeah. it. So I'm uh, I'm not I'm, I'm only on episode two, but I think I'm going to really like the series. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to prejudge your picks as much as I usually do. Yeah, because so. uh, I don't know if y'all saw the trailer to Kong versus Godzilla just dropped. And if you're into anything with like Godzilla or anything like that, that that's going to be really good. Well, that's what's up. I'm, I'm excited about it. You guys got anything else you want to jump into it? Uh, let's get it. Let's jump. Hey, Sophie. You going to talk? You just going to wave at me, baby. Hello. <laughs> Hello. 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 You sound like you sound like your god brother TJ because that's his favorite word now. He says hello a thousand times a day. How was your week so far? Good. Good. Speaking of good, do you have a good joke for us? Because daddy, daddy's jokes haven't. You know what? I'm not even gonna say that. Daddy's last joke. He had a lot of people that liked it. Go figure. (laughs) So what do you have for us? I stepped on a Fruit Loop this morning. <laughs> Daddy chose this one. You stepped on a You stepped on a what? Uh a fruit loop this morning. <laughs> she said Rosy chose that one. Yeah, that was that was that was that was that was bad. <laughs> she threw you on the best bro. I like how she knows how to read the room. <laughs> Just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, Dion Cole, like, no, that didn't work. All right. Give us another one, Sophie. Give give us a good one. Give us a good one. I know you got one. I'm not all the way done with it, Joe. Oh, you're not. See, so you got to tell us. Oh, that's my bad. Too. <laughs> my bad. Continue. <laughs> Does that make you a cereal kettle? Could I get out a cereal? <laughs> Daddy chose this. You know what, Sophie? You stuck with a joke. Uh, yes, it does make you a serial killer, first of all. So I'm I'm calling the police and letting them know. No. Yep. <laughs> yep. My bad, Sophie. That was a good joke. I like that one. I didn't actually step on it. It was just a joke. Oh, you admitted it. It's already it's already on um, air. You're gonna have thousands of people knowing that you're a serial killer. I'm not actually a serial killer. No serial killer ever says they're a serial killer. <laughs> now she trying to backpedal. Not yet. We, so you know. even if I said I was one, I would still be one. If I said I wasn't one, I would still be one. Cheers on. <laughs> yep. So yeah, you you you're, you kind of stuck. Uh-huh. All right. All right, big girl. All right, Sophie. Yeah. Well, I'll see you later, baby. Bye bye. Bye bye. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. My question is a uh, a fairly. I'm not going to say a simple one, but it's just actually something that crossed my mind. And I saw this video and I wanted to share it with you guys. It's from a podcast called with DeVale and Kadeem. Uh, their husband and wife team, they have a podcast together. And this is uh, from their October episode. And it's basically talking about our win- are women pressuring men into monogamy. So we're going to play a little clip for you. Let us know what you think. A lot of women do complain, oh, my husband's always on me. Why is he always on me? Mm -hmm. If sex is going to be a chore for you that you don't really want to do, why do women constantly push monogamy 
on men. If you know that you don't want to have to deal with him all the time just wanting you, mm -hmm. why do you push monogamy on men? Well, who's to say I pushed anything on anybody? Like, Well, we know that people, you pushed monogamy on me. I pushed monogamy. I forced you to get married to me? Time out. I didn't say you forced me to get married, but did you not say to me that you wanted to be engaged and you wanted to be married before you lived with me? You I didn't want, say that? I want a billion dollars. That don't mean I'm going to get it. I but, can want but something, but not... You, you Right now, you're dodging the question. Nobody pressed you to, to do it. Yes, is that something I wanted? Yes, it was. But... You didn't press me to... Are you going to lie now so to the people because we're talking about sex? Deval, you're going to lie now to the people? Deval. Knowing Kanine, you didn't strong, want monogamy? Of course I did. So then why are you avoiding the question? That's not avoiding the question. I'm saying, does that mean because I want it and I requested that, that you were going to deliver it? Like, nobody pressed you for that. All right, Buff. Uh, so he said a mouthful and that, that interaction was hilarious. You watched the whole clip. Uh, we just paid a, uh, played a portion of the clip for our, our, our listeners. But what are your thoughts on that? So... I think he's first off, I think he's incorrect in saying that uh, women pressure men into monogamy and specifically that she pressured him into monogamy. Um, women, let's let's just take their example. She told him what she wanted and what she expected. And it was up to him to agree to it or not. Now, I guess we can do semantics and say, well, that is pressure. But at the end of the day. You're an adult. You are you are of sound money, of sound uh, body and mind. You make that decision on whether or not that's something you want to do. Now, on the flip, on the flip side, he does have a point to an extent that sex is a very important part of our of marriage. Very important. Now, she's turning him down like you know once every once in a while. Then he doesn't really have a real complaint. But if almost every time he's trying to have sex and it's always some excuse, she's tired, she got a headache, uh, not right now, I'm not in the mood, then that is an issue. And that is an issue that she needs to work on because that's important to her spouse. And I get what she's saying that, hey, I didn't know that having kids and all this stuff, that's that's fine. But you have to at least try to work on it. But just just the whole beginning of his question saying that, why did you pressure me? Why he's saying, why did you pressure me into monogamy if you're not going to hold up your end to help me keep said monogamy behavior? I don't know. I don't know if I totally agree with that. I, I'll wait on some of y'all input on it and see if my mind changes on it. But I think I, I kind of have some pushback on him saying he was pressured because I don't think it was pressure like if. You have to know or you have to, like, look down the road and say, hey, there may, there may be times she doesn't want it as much as I do and and see if that's what you're really ready to do. But they both need to, I don't know, work on some things. Also, why in the hell would you do a podcast with your wife? But that's a whole different topic. <laughs> Ratings. <laughs> Most times, what what is it? Most times when um like married couples have shows together and stuff, they end up divorced. Yeah, um, like almost all oh, always. So Martin, yeah, uh, Martin ain't uh, like when Gina came on that joint. <laughs> well, uh, well, that starts like that sounds like the beginning of a divorce conversation to me, anyway. Um, mm -hmm. But Byron, before you before you answer, Rizzy, so do this for me. Take out the. 
like we were saying semantics where take out the the force or pressure. Okay. What are your thoughts on the if women want this monogamy but they're not and he's willing to be monogamous but they're still not and within reason uh they feel like cuz the word he chose to use was chore having sex with me is like a chore something you don't want to do something that's just like not yeah that's terrible you know how you know kind of give me that it's no you you owe me this but it's like you you told me this is what you want i'm doing it but you don't want to you don't yeah. want to do the things that make this work. He made it sound like she's straight star fishing when they have sex. Um, but that goes that goes again to uh, she's got to work on that. She's got to work on that. I mean, I said on a very, very, very early episode, I don't think monogamy is natural. And I stand by that. It's not natural. And this particular situation is one of the many reasons why I think so. It's not natural, but that's something that they have entered and agreed upon and she needs to hold up her end of the bargain. Like if it's going, if it's not going down, like he's saying, then that's a, that's a major issue, man. That's a major issue. And even, it sounds like even when he's getting it, she's not even into it. So to me, that's, that's a huge problem to me. So she's got to work on that. And I don't know what the solution is. Like if she needs more help around the house, cause she made it seem like she has so much going on that she rarely, has time to even be in the mood, but that's a problem, man. Agreed. So what do you have, Rosie? I I would start with saying, taking a step back from she kind of forced him or even manipulated him into pressured. monogamy, pressured him into it. It, it. it comes down to that's the expectation of society. Monogamy is society's expectation. Uh, so you know, most women and, and a lot of times, I mean, we we ignore guys who want to be monogamous. There are guys who really want monogamy. Really, truthfully, guys want monogamy from the lady, even if he got a team. So Spade. let's be honest. Like, 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 I can I can be see with three four chicks, but don't let you have another dude on the side. Then you know all it, it's, it's about to go on. He's, so, you know, he's like, right. all hell's gonna break loose. He's right. So you know, I can be it, sad. It, Exactly. <laughs> I could be sad and hell with the b- <laughs> So, but the thing about it is that that's society. And so that expectation is always going to be there. Most women are going to kind of reach towards that. Hey, I want monogamy. You know, it, whether they want sex or not, they want you to only be with them and only be looking and checking for them. And so I think that's where guys in general and, and, and do, you got to understand that that, that is the expectation. That's what they're going to be pushing for. Uh, and like you said, Byron, it's, it's up to you to say yes or no. Like if you ain't ready, if you want to keep your team, if, if you want to do that, then you gotta, you gotta make that decision whether you want to stay with her, um, and go down that monogamy road that she's expecting, or do you want to cut her off? And, you know, keep your whole team or do you want to sneak around and have some side chicks? Like those are your three choices. They're simple choices. You just got to make them and live with them. Stop whining <laughs> when you make one of the choices and then be like, eh, I ain't get all the other stuff that I want. No, nah, player, you don't get, you don't, I mean, you made the choice. You so, went down that route. So I, I understand what you're saying. So I'm going to push back on this. So, yes, uh, society, the, 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 
society pretty much dictates, especially our culture, that once entered in marriage, you're usually monogamous. I, I get that 100 percent. And I feel like a lot of men want to be monogamous in that relationship. I feel like they're they're fine with it. Like you said, like me, I'm 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 100 percent like, hey, I can't even I'll never cheat on you because I can't I can't have you using that against me because I it's over. I can't deal with her being with anybody else. I'm just very open. But I don't think it's because that's the expectation. The expectation is for us to be monogamous. But what about the expectation of you also or her also doing things to make that relationship work in a a monogamy work in that relationship? Like if we're talking about biblical or, you know, monogamy being with with your wife, you know, the the sex bed, the, the, the marriage bed. There's a spot for that, too. Like, if we're going to do this, then let's do it. Don't just say be monogamous and then just say good luck. Because that's basically what I've seen sometimes. Like, yeah, you don't you can't have no other. I you once once a month or whatever the case may be when I feel like it. It's a chore. And then I'm not saying she they need to have sex every day or whatever the case may be. It's still like. You're checking the box, and like Buff said earlier, you're, you're, it's a starfish effect. You know, you're sitting there lazy, and maybe that's his pipe game. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's pipe game week. I, I, you know, I, 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 yeah, he might you be know, trash. Pipe game might be weak. What I'm saying is, is what what is the what is the uh, the onus on somebody else? Like, hey, I'm willing to uphold, uphold my end of the bargain, but what are you willing to do? You know, because I feel like monogamy, monogamy can work. It's not it's not easy. And, you know, it's and think about it. Like you said, there's so many men that use that argument. Monogamy is the monogamy is not uh, natural. Women know that women know men have a hard time with monogamy. People have a hard time with monogamy. So if if this is a known fact that guys have a hard time with monogamy, women have a hard time with monogamy. But you're making it even harder because you're saying. Once again, good luck with that monogamous. Yeah, he has a choice to make, but if he if he goes and cheats on her, because she might be giving him so much more, so many so many other things, but that's big. Like it one thing that I feel like makes my relationship successful is knowing that my wife still wants me. It's not a chore. You know, like it's, you know, we still, I'm just being open, like we still have a very uh, Happy sexual appetite. We've been together for 12 years. And that makes things easier. But when I'm sitting there and it's a chore, that becomes a chore. And I tell people, that's I told Z, that's that's holding. When you start uh rationing out the nanny, we we gotta have a real, real conversation because you holding happiness hostage, baby. Like I, I I likes it. And we can't just keep doing this. So and I, I think I think a little bit. I, uh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm gonna say, do we know how long this has been going on with them? Is, is she using her mouth ever? Like, what? What? <laughs> but I don't know. But I think what you realize is, <laughs> I think they got into specifics about him. I thought I think the original conversation was about in general. So it's like, hey, why do women feel that men should be monogamous? Monogamous, but then they don't want to help make that monogamy work. I, I. I I can kind of go down that hole with him, though, because I was I was just really about to talk about there are a lot of women that try to jump into monogamy. It's like 
you know, we talked, I, I think we talked about it a, a couple of episodes or maybe even last episode. It's like, we go on one date and now I'm monogamous with you. No, it, you know, it, it's like, no, you don't get to monogamy after one date. Yeah. You don't, you don't get to monogamy after we smash. I'm sorry. Like, unless we've had that conversation and it's like, Hey, we, we are monogamous until we have that conversation. Yeah. It's there, there should not be an assumption of monogamy just because we smashed or just because we are on our even third, fourth, fifth date. It's like, I always tell everybody, you know, I know that you're the one when I wake up and I ain't got no more. Like all of a sudden, no more texts come in. I ain't trying to text nobody else. I don't even want to text anybody else. I don't want to go out and meet anybody else. I can see somebody and be attracted to them and be like, oh, let me stay away from them because I don't want to mess up what I got at home. There's a big difference there um, versus, oh, I see somebody attractive. Let me go shoot my shot and see what I can do. That's when I know you're the one. That's when I know that it's time to be monogamous. And I think what happens is guys and uh, girls, what ends up happening a lot of times is that they jump to monogamy before they're ready. And then they're still out. Oh, let me shoot my shot. I don't know if I still got it or not. I need to know. Can I still uh, get it or whatever? And they're not all about that other person. They're really not ready for monogamy. Um, You know, that was fine. Back in the day when we always talk about grandpa could go have another family on the other side of town and nobody would care or whatever, Um, you know, marriages could still exist and I have another family or I'm still out cheating or I don't even come home for a couple of days and I, you know, I walk back in the house and everything good. It was fine then. But now at the point where marriages can get divorced, women can initiate divorces, they can have their own checking account so that they can leave. They have their own money. They can get their own jobs. You can't be like, oh, I'm going to force monogamy on anybody, man or, or male or female. So I, I just think it's the times that we're in now, you got to slow play it and you got to slow play this ex- expectation of monogamy. So even OK, so we've had a couple of dates, but now, now we're married. I'm talking like to me. The monogamous I mean, stuff. if you marry, you should be monogamous. That, that is an expectation. That, we that shouldn't should, be anything like should, you're pressuring me to be monogamous. We should, no, nigga, we married. We should be monogamous, but what should, what should the other partner's expectation be with sex? So we should be monogamous, but if we only having sex once a month, but I should be monogamous. So because the way I look at it, the divorce rate in the U.S. is 50%. Infidelity is forty is the the leading cause of divorce. Forty three percent of um forty when surveyed forty three percent of marriages end because of infidelity. I'm not saying all infidelity is linked to not getting enough because you know there's sexual addictions. There's just people like you said that aren't ready to be monogamous. It's whatever it is. But if we know infidelity is the leading cause of divorce. And I'm not going to say, because I know we're going to have some people like, I was giving it to him all the time. He still wanted more. But is there a certain expectation? Like the, the closest thing I can compare it to is, hey, I'm a husband. I'm a provider. I provide for you. Had I, prov- I took you out on nice dates and did all this stuff for you. But now that we're married, now I realize that with kids and, you know, bills and mortgage that I wasn't really ready for all this. And so I'm just going to I just I feel like I'm tired. I don't feel like paying these bills anymore. I feel like I don't. There's too much going on where I shouldn't give you what the expectation was earlier. And it's probably it's probably just deeper than that. Like when you married to someone and you truly love that person, like we always say marriage is work. So when you're married to somebody that you truly love, you're willing to work 
within reason to make the other person happy. So if your spouse is telling you, babe, listen, I know you, I know you this, I know you that, but I have needs. I I need sex. We're not having enough sex or, or vice versa. Either way, that wife or that husband is, is going to work on that. They're going to say, you know what? You're right. Let me, let me change my schedule around a little bit. Let me, you know what I mean? Like they're going to do whatever it takes to make that work because they love you and they're willing to work at it. And if they're not, then you got bigger problems than just lack of sex. You have, you, you're with someone that's not willing to work with you to make you happy. And if they're not willing to do that, then it's probably other things they're not willing to do as well. I agree with you hundred percent on that buff. Like, I think that that is one of the things about marriage is, is give and take working. Like I try not to do anything that's going to bring harm to my relationship. If my wife needs it, I'm going to work on it or at least address it or try to figure out how to get better at it. When people do you think that happens a lot? Do you think people just turn a blind ear? And like she said, well, I got the kids. She started coming up with this list of stuff of trying to rationalize yeah. why sex isn't that important. And I feel like that's that's. I feel like that was a real conversation, even though I I don't think he wanted to make it about them originally. Mm-hmm. I think it was, like I said, a general question. I think a lot of women say, hey, I want monogamous monogamy, but I'm not really to, I'm not ready to give you the stuff that makes it easy for easier for you to be in this monogamous relationship. And it's. It's cheap because the thing about it is we know the downfall of not being monogamous. Like it's, they have the upper hand. It's cheaper to keep her. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the mother of your kids. You know, it shouldn't be about all this. I'm t- like, and you're just supposed to accept these reasons. And there's some reasons that are rational saying, hey, we can't just, we're not going to do it every night, but accept these reasons of why sex is not happening. She holds all the power. Yeah. And Man. if I, if I stop paying bills or not, not, not tit for tat, but I'm like that same rationale for something that she expected from me. Now I'm a bum. Like to me, it's, it's the same thing. It's sex, it's finances, it's, you know, dating, it's, you know, comfort, anything that your expectation is and that's what you need. And, and you just choose to, the other person chooses to neglect it. Then, like you said, we have bigger issues. So I'm done with that. Any uh, final words on that one? Yeah. Make sure shallowness is a part of your reason for getting married. Like you need to be shallow to an extent. Marry someone that you think is fine as hell, that is attractive, that turns you on. It can't be just, oh, but he speaks to my soul and. You know, hey, you, you need you need to look at him or you need to look at her and say, God, I'll take your ass and let me blow your back out like you need that. You need and that. it's funny you said that, because I think I think guys look for that more because I've talked to a lot of women. And this is from my opinion. And they're looking at things like, I think he'll make a great father. Yeah. Which, yeah. is, which is not not, yeah. not a yeah. bad thing. Which we need more of that. We need more of that. To Rosie's uh, point earlier, what was that a few because, episodes uh, ago? Uh, be be uh, be the man that she wants to cheat on with, or something like that. Yeah, be that nigga. But yeah, yeah, the thing yeah. about it is, they're, they're um, not they all of them, but I've seen this a lot. I think women uh, women are conditioned to want providers and nurturers, which is great. Mm-hmm. But it's also you need that that other that other piece of the pie because now you don't want to have sex with that person. 
now you're you're looking at them more of as a a partner and a you know I've heard a lot of women even say you know they're they got to the point where they feel more motherly than wife you know wifely if that's a word and so they they look at their husband as a, almost like a second or third child mm-hmm. you know it's a it's more of a burden and they're not turned on by this guy anymore because he's a, he's he's a child um I got to cook for him I got to clean for him and so yeah he probably needs to do some things to um well not probably he needs to do some things to make himself attractive and sexual again to, uh, to her. But I think it's something that just needs to be addressed. And it's, we can't just sit back and say, well, it's okay for you not to have sex with me. Cause I know you are busy with the kids and all this stuff. It's like, Hey, let's, let's have a healthy sexual relationship. And I don't want to be on a calendar. I want you to just look at me sometimes like, okay, I'm about to, I'm about to, I'm about to, to this nigga. Like I want that. I need that. So my bad. Rise. You got anything? No, nah, man, I, I think we hit it on home, man. Okay, who's up next? I think I know, Buff, you have a question for us. Yeah, I, I got a question. Actually, it's one of those questions that I'm not going to have an answer for. It's, it's strictly for you two gentlemen. So you guys know at the Capitol, we've had the, the National Guard, and some of them have been sent home because they, you know, they were found to... I guess empathize with people that stormed the Capitol. Uh, I remember. I think the Michigan State Capitol got stormed at one time, and some of the some of them actually partook in that. So they were withheld from coming to DC to help out. Um, and that leads me into what I wanted to ask you guys. So because it led from that to you know how much racism is in our police forces and how much racism is in our military. And both of you guys served. So my question is, did you experience any racism when you served in the military, no matter how overt or covert it was? And if you can, what was an example of it? Yeah, I'll go. I, I, I haven't experienced much overt racism. And I think a lot of that comes from my position though. Um, you have to think I was as enlisted. I was in a very, very small unit and it was a medical unit. And most medical uh, professionals are a little bit more liberal than say your infantry or your combat arms uh, type guys. So um, my enlisted time was there. So I kind of was in a bubble with that. And then um, moving on from that, I was an officer. So your officer corps is going to be very, very different than with racism or anything like that, then you're enlisted corps. Uh, you know, let's, let's just be honest. And most enlisted folks, while they may call me a nigga behind my back and they may say it to their friends, they're not about to tell the LT or the captain or the commander, the company commander, and call him a nigga. So, you know, it, it was, I was insulated from the overtness of it all. Um, but I will tell you, um, covert and, and behind the scenes, it's a lot. It is a whole lot. I mean, when you talk about um, just being able to find a mentor, find an ally, 926, the engineer battalion and the brigade that I was under, I served in that brigade for close to 10 years. I was a company commander. I was a battalion executive officer. I was a battalion off- um, operations officer in S3 in, that, in the brigade, company XO, all those positions. But as a captain, I was a battalion XO, which is a big deal. Uh, if anybody kind of knows where your key roles are in your uh, progression, 
that's a major uh, slot and I was a captain doing it, that entire 10 years, I never once got an award from that battalion or that brigade. You, you know, so I had some key figures that put me in those slots that were allies that were making sure that I was hitting my KD uh, s- slots. Uh, key development is what KD is. So I was hitting my key development slots. I was doing everything I needed because the people that was uh, kind of leading me were like, you're going to make general like that. That's what they would tell me all the time. It's like you you got the the, you know, awareness. You've got the understanding. You've got the smarts to be able to do it. You'll make general. Uh, so they put me in those key positions. But then when you look at higher up in the chain and the people who processed awards and the people who, you know, would approve missions, I would send in, you know, an operations order and it'd be five, six pages. It's a good op order. I know because, like I said, I, I was a captain in an S3 slot. So I kind of know what an operations order should look like and everything. My operation order would get kicked back six, seven times while some other officer not going to say, you know, what the difference was, but some other officer sends in an op order from another company and it's straight trash, but it gets accepted and doesn't get kicked back. So that's the kind of stuff that we were dealing with. Um, and then, like I said, being an XO, I think I talked about it on another, um, another episode, you know, just seeing how, administrative actions and discipline came down differently. Um, it, it, it really is true. It, it's like, you'll see two soldiers doing the exact same thing, be in trouble for the exact same thing, but the black soldier, you know, they're recommending he gets a dishonorable discharge and they're like, Oh, well, we just want to give him a letter of, uh, you know, uh, a, of concern or something like that for the uh, white soldier. Like I've seen that happen. And uh, luckily me being the XO, I was like, no, 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 no. Y'all going to normalize these at some point. Uh, I don't care which which way it is. Y'all figure it out. But I'm not letting somebody you recommend him a dishonorable. And then you do a letter of concern for this exact same thing. Something needs to uh, shake with this. So, again, I've had leaders that put me in in that in the race and let me uh, and help me. But at the same time, I think overall I've I've experienced uh, a little bit of both. Uh, but more so the over the uh, yeah the covert stuff. I definitely have on a different level. So I'll start from the beginning of my career. I think the the most blatant and which kind of opened my eyes to the military was basic training. Starting my the beginning of my military my career because that's when you're at the beginning. This is before people are you know taught to be soldierly and to all the value the military army values and stuff like that. But I remember going to basic training at the age of 17, being a young black boy from Mobile, Alabama. And I'm in basic training in South Carolina with people from all over the country. Backwoods, um, Appalachians, like everybody, some people who've never experienced black people. And then I was one of the youngest people there and I was a uh, I was a squad leader, so I'm in charge. So you have these people who are all older than me, white people mainly, you know, and they're looking at me like, who is this nigga? Who is this young? Because they, they underestimated me for one. But who is this little young nigga? Like I had people wanted to fight. I almost got into a fight with this dude that was going to infantry and he, cause, and he called me a nigga. You know, like I didn't report it, but, you know, because what goes on in the barracks stays in the barracks. But it was very overt. Like you just... And you saw people 
you saw some of his friends have his back, but this is where I'm a transition. I've always been, and Rizzi can attest to this because Rizzi, he probably didn't think about this, even with the 946, we were always the acceptable Negroes. We were always, if you're going to have to have a black friend, or if you're choosing, if we're choosing black teams, this is who you pick. Because you can't be racist because I love Fergie Mac. And so, you know, even in basic yeah. training, I can see that they were like, they were, they were cool with us. Um, they were like, dude, that, that's, that's BS. But you can tell some of these people probably had some racist tendencies, but because we were the acceptable Negro, we're not the average, we're not the average nigger, you know? So cut these guys some slack. So when we got to the 946, we're young, gifted, and black. And we were getting awards after awards. We got promoted really fast. And you could see some of our, our counterparts who were older black men who were probably more like we are now. It's like, dog, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to play this game. You know, because Rising and I were happy-go-lucky when it came to the Army. And so they liked us because, once again, we were that acceptable Negro. And I think they were sympathetic and it was cool to say they helped this little black boy, these young black boys do this, 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 and this. Because now if you think about Rising, think about all the older black people in our unit. Even from our, um, our admin. Yep. She didn't, she, they, you saw how they treated other black people. You saw how they kind of gave them, they get, got them, they gave them the shit. Mm-hmm. And, but we were cool. Um, in the last part, and we mentioned this in a few episodes ago was, uh, Afghanistan, how they reacted to, um, the locals there and how they, I felt like they saw a lot of them as, um, Saying niggas. Yeah, they literally called. They didn't. Did no, they say, I, I've heard. I heard. I heard a couple times. Don't call yeah. them saying niggas. Yeah, but camel jockeys. They made a lot of racial slurs that no telling what they were saying when we weren't around. So we're sitting. To look, I'm looking at them, and this is after that. After that, that whole episode with the special forces, um, and I'm like, there's more going on behind the scenes. And as we got older, and I got more rank. I could tell when we went to other units and stuff like that, being a, once again, a young black NCO, uh, by the time Rosie left, whatever, after Rosie left, I was the highest ranking NCO in our unit. And I'm young. I'm 24, 25 years old. E6, about to turn it, uh, get promoted E7. I just gave up on the military by that time. But they were, you know, they're looking at me like, why is this nigger in this role? You're 40 years, you're 45 years old. You've been in the military for 20 years and you're an E5. Like I, I saw the hate in people's eyes from my success. Like you, you could tell that they were, they were, they were second guessing. They were pushed back a little bit. And then when you can't, you come in and you're like, I'm on my shit. Especially when we were together, we're a dynamic duo. Like there was, you, <laughs> you, you didn't stand a chance because, uh, where he lacked, I succeeded and excelled or vice versa. So yep. putting us together, there was nothing that couldn't get accomplished. And they knew that. But we always we I feel like we always had to prove that to the newest person, even when we got new people in the unit. We got um, we had doctors who, even though they're more liberal, still saw us, saw us as young black boys. 
you know, we had to have that conversation at one point. Like we had to say, hey, I'm, I'm a grown ass man, even though I'm I'm only 21, 22. I'm your son's age. That has nothing to do with me. And you're probably looking at me thinking I'm less than who I am because of everything else. But it wasn't I, I'm not shocked by any of this stuff. National Guard, reserves, active duty is definitely racism is prevalent in the military. And um, I'm glad they did. They at least stepped up and did something. I saw I saw a report in an African-American officer group that I'm in um, there. There was a published report where they said it could be upwards of 20 percent of white nationalists or white nationalist supporters uh, in the military. And I'm not like Ferg said, I'm not surprised by that at all. Uh, I, I, I could definitely see that happening where um, especially a lot of I don't want to say you're lower enlisted, but what ends up happening is they, they come in and come in for three to five years and then they get out. Uh, I can I can definitely see that happening um and and then going and seeing like becoming facebook friends with some of them like you know i always talk about how you know i kind of become i've I've got a couple of kind of white nationalist leaning QAnon following uh friends that uh that i continue to follow because i just want to see the mind of what's happening with them um and so and those were military guys and buddies and now and then i see some of the stuff they post and i'm like oh yeah yeah, you, you're 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 there. You you might say you you know you love everybody and everything, but you're 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 there, buddy. Yeah, I mean, and that, that goes back to the acceptable Negro. They probably don't like black people, but they like you. And mm-hmm. so after, I think after Obama, between Obama and Trump's election, Obama getting elected and Trump, I probably cut ninety five percent of my military friends. That I that I've I've um, I made over the years, yeah. and it was sad because I you know literally you say I go to war with these people. I literally went to war with these people, you know. <laughs> and so you're looking at him like, man, this is this is my brother in arms. As long as we're in this situation, but they're okay with me, but they they don't see the bigger picture. And so, uh, yeah, that that I, I think that's the hardest part of us growing and learning it's like it's okay that you're okay with me but if you're not okay with my people i still can't rock with you and that that that's that's a that's a different lens that you have to grow to learn uh because like you said i mean we were all cool laughing joking we'll go to lunch and stuff you know uh be at morrison's and and you know in the line laughing and joking with them sit down we'll we'll talk about it and then looking back on it i'm like they they really either were putting on for us or they really did see us as the exceptional Negro. We were their friends and, and then they put us to the side. Uh, I, I love talking about one night in Miami, uh, the scene where he's like, oh, you know, we don't let niggas in the house. Oh, um, I'm so dude, glad that you, dude, you know. I- <laughs> there, there are a few times I watch a movie and I literally, my mouth drops open like, I saw That's it coming. What <laughs> I saw yeah. it coming though. Like, I, I, was I didn't know, he, I know he was gonna say. I didn't know he was gonna say it like that. That he yeah. wasn't blatant. It like, <laughs> like I, I was waiting for it to come sooner. And like once they sat down and started talking, I was like, oh okay, I guess it's not coming. And then he talked about how their families were all cool and stuff, <laughs> but it still came. <laughs> no, that. But I feel like that's how it was. You know, we and then we were. It was now that I think about it. It was kind of it was cool to be cool with Mank and Ferg. 
or Fergie Mac. Like it was, it was a rite of passage. Like you know, they could talk about being cool. It was it, after everything happened in Afghanistan, we were the people they were trying to get back on the, their good side. Mm. Like they weren't worried about other other uh, NCOs. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> they were trying. They were trying to get back and good. Like I can't believe I offended the good black people. You know, um, so. But but I will tell you that there is a place for that. There's a place for the good black people. I hate to say it like that, but, but there's a place for the people that they, I guess they respect enough because without those folks that they respect, you're never going to get through to them at but, all. But the thing about it is, why do we have to earn? I get it. I understand what you're saying. But it's like, why the f- do we have to earn their respect? Oh, it's they don't, not fair. They don't, they don't I'm, have I'm to earn our respect. Like, <laughs> you know, it's... Okay, luckily there's a few good white people, so we we don't treat white people bad. It's like you're a human being. Do you do you? You oh boy, I'm just sorry. Uh, Kansas City is dragging these boys, but you do you, and I don't, I don't have anything to prove to you. And I didn't realize, but we were part of it. I didn't realize we were we were we were okay. I remember having a conversation with uh, Sergeant Andrews. Maybe Cotton was in there one time, and they were kind of they they kind of mentioned that like they're using you. Or, you know, they they don't like you as much as you think they do. We're like, nah, we're cool. You know, we were I think we were oblivious to the fact that, you know, we were I I, I think a little bit of that is we just mm. didn't care either though. <laughs> like we didn't care if they liked us or not. Like, look, yeah. I come for this weekend, I do my thing, and then I'm yeah. going back to Tallahassee, I'm going back to Birmingham, and I'm going to live my life and do it up big. Like yeah. it's it is no big deal to us. Yeah, we didn't care, but I think we were still blind to a lot of the stuff. The yeah. overt or you know whatever the case may be. So, good good question, Buff. You, yeah. And can yeah. you speak on it? Do you have a? I was just gonna say it's just overall it's just extremely frustrating dealing with racism because rarely can you actually prove it. Like listening to Razio mm-hmm. say how he was, you know, skipped over this or other black people may have been. They can always say, well, you know this white person was was more qualified or we're not just going to promote you just because you're black. Like, unless they just come out and are saying nigger and even they get excused. I remember when Hulk Hogan was called on tape saying nigger. I think they tried to use that. I was drunk or depressed or whatever excuse. So like rarely is there a consensus that somebody is racist. I think David Duke is probably like the only living human being that everybody says, yeah, he's racist. Other than that, we get all kind of excuses and things because it's so hard to like actually prove you need. We have to provide so much evidence before we can even get our case heard. And so yeah. it's just. And, 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 and then the goalposts always move, yes, right? Yes. When you provide it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter. Right. That they're always going to say, no, they're not racist. Oh no. The, you know, 94 crime bill wasn't racist. Um, well it, yes, on paper, it's not racist, but it, it's racist. Like the implementation of the 94 crime bill was racist. And, uh, you know, and, that, and that, that's what happens with a lot of laws. You know, PPP in in it, with the, the uh, I can't remember, payroll protection program uh, that came out with, you know, the stimulus packages and stuff. That wasn't racist. But then when you look at who all got the PPP loans right. and how many uh, African-Americans were passed over and denied for it, 
it became racist. Like that that's what folks don't understand is racism is so s- systemic that no matter what you do from a individual, oh, I'm writing this, unless you specifically say you have to give 12% of this or whatever the population is um, of black people in America, you have to give that that percentage uh, in PPP loans to them. Unless you write that in the bill, which they won't, um, then it's probably going to be implemented uh, in a racist manner because of the system is so ingrained and, and, and it's so racist. We live in a society, and I've brought this crime up before to make a different example, but we live in a society right now where you and Fur can go rob the bank and all I got to do is just be sitting in the car. I don't have a weapon. I may not even know y'all are even robbing the bank, but they're going to charge me just like they charge you too. You see all these white people that stormed the Capitol. And make no mistake about it, it was treason. Like, yeah, there probably were some people that just went in there just to look around, but there were people there that literally wanted to stop the electoral process and pretty much kidnap our government. It was treasonous. And you seeing them get sent home. Like they're they're getting char- they're going to court, getting charged, and going home. There's a woman who had Pelosi's laptop was going to sell it to Russia, she's home. That (laughs) is treason. And correct me if I'm wrong, but treason, what's the penalty for treason? Death. Exactly. So, like, it it, it amazes me. Presumption of innocence. Presumption of innocence. Exactly. And I'm going to leave it like this. So when you look at the military, one of the main reasons you don't see as much races reports is for fear of retaliation. Because we're still the minority in in, um, the military. We're still mm-hmm. the minority in power. So you're looking at your peers and your leaders that can definitely make your life a little living hell. Like racism on your job, you can just say, you know what? I don't need this job. I'll go find another one. But it doesn't work like that in the Army. It doesn't work like that in the Navy. It's you get extra duty. They can find ways to make your life a living hell. So racism probably is at its worst in the military because by law, you have to just deal with it. Like there's nothing you I'm not saying there's nothing you can do. You have to have a great chain of command for stuff to really, really um, work. And even then there's potential retaliation because we're just going to we're just going to transfer into another unit. So when they transfer you to another unit. They give them the heads up like, hey, this is a dude that this is a dude to call Wolf. Make his life a living hell. So Byron didn't Byron can't make my life a living hell because if he did it, it'll be a blatant. But when I moved to Rise's unit and I realized why am I having guard duty every night and doing working on the weekends and I can't get any of my leave approved. It's a good old mm-hmm. boy system. And I'm not saying yeah. all the military is bad. I mean, but there's a lot of it in there. And just and just like the regular society, people usually hang with people that remind them of themselves and a lot of the black people who get along in the military are like they you know they 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 adopt or adapt a lot of the beliefs of the military and um that's why people like them because they're definitely we were cool 
we were the acceptable Negro, but we were never, we were never the sellout. Mm-hmm. We were, we we're not about to down other black people or anything like that, which I've seen. I've seen other black people to fit in in the military become the boy. Yeah, they become Sarge from uh, a soldier story. Yeah, so another great movie, by the way. I love that movie, yeah. man. So good. What do you have for us, Rosie? Oh no, dude. Um, we're, we've gone long, actually. Um, so I I really didn't have a question anyway. So I think I'm just gonna uh, defer to you guys, and uh, we can just close it out tonight. But oh, I do, I do. It, it'll probably be a real quick one. I wanted to talk about the vaccine, <laughs> and. Are you guys going to take it? And if so, do you have a plan on like getting back to normal after you take it? Are you just going to take it and be like, yep, going on a trip or, you know, like what's what's the plan after that? Two months ago, it was a hard no. One month ago, it was like, I'll see. Today, it's like, man, I don't know. I might get it. Like we talked about it in our group, man. We had a... um. I think she graduated maybe a year after us or a year before us. I believe she just passed away from it. Um, It's getting more and more scary. Like when it starts hitting more and more people that you know or knew of that were your age or younger, it starts hitting a little different. At least for me, it starts hitting a little different. So that hard no. And it was it was never because I'm just anti-vax. It's just that, you know, I just really wanted to make sure they got it right. I wanted to see how it affected people and everything like that. Because while I don't want COVID, I also don't want to put something in my body that can cause problems down the line. But you don't want to get mesothelioma. <laughs> but but <laughs> COVID is getting more and more scary, man. So uh the scarier it gets, the more I'm leaning towards getting in. Plus, I mean, shoot, I can say this is in the news at my job, especially after January 6th, because so many racist white people stormed my place of business with no mask on. We've lost a lot of coworkers uh, that had to go out of work because they came down with it. Uh, some Congress people have gotten it. So as more and more people around me that I'm working with get it, I definitely have to give it a serious thought and I can't be on that hard stance of no, I'm not getting it. I have to really weigh my, like I'm, I'm, I was afraid of the vaccine, but now I'm also afraid of COVID. So I got to weigh both and make that decision, but it's no longer a hard no. I'm kind of like Byron. My, uh, my thoughts have changed over the time. I'm leaning more towards it now. But because there's people in the medical field that I trust and know personally who have gotten the shots and recommend getting them. Um, Luckily, I don't think I have to make that decision anytime soon. So I want to see more. And even after getting the vaccine, I feel. I feel I'll feel a little safer pending side effects. But I'm still not going to return to life as usual. I don't think that's uh, that that's the play. You know, it's not it's it's not ninety nine point nine 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 percent effective against COVID. It's just, hey, this may help you not get it. And if you get it, it might not be as severe until it is because there's and that's what I call a practice of medicine. 
there's no absolutes. And I don't want to be that one case where it just went wrong. Um, so if I can avoid it as much as possible, like I will be more willing to do certain things, you know, rising. I've talked about vacations, you know, getting the kids and stuff together over, over the last few months, but still don't feel quite, quite safe doing that. But it's like, okay, now we might be able to go to insert place here and do vacation in a isolated area. But I just I don't feel comfortable doing anything even after the vaccine, unless until I see more research. Yeah, I I, I thought about that question because you, you guys know that um, like Hank Aaron, rest in peace to Hank Aaron as well uh, to the listeners. I don't, I don't know if they know Mobile Native, but Hank Aaron passed away um, and he had just gotten a COVID vaccine uh, and people are like, oh, you know, how do you get COVID and and um if he had just gotten the vaccine, first of all, guys, that's not how vaccines work. That you don't get it, and then you're immune like the next day. <laughs> um, and, and there's a it, it's a two shot cycle on there. So if you don't you haven't completed both shots, then you're not completely immune. You it takes two to three weeks after the first shot, and they say at least a week or two after the second shot to really be completely supposedly vaccinated. Uh, and then on top of that, that doesn't mean that you can't transmit the vaccine. Or, or the virus. So it can still live in your nostrils and it can still be transmitted, even though you may not get it yourself. Uh, so you still may be contagious to other people uh, and be able to move the virus between uh, folks. So uh, I'm definitely getting it uh, as soon as I'm available to get it. Um, you know, it's one of those things like, like Byron, you were saying, I'm scared of the virus. I'm scared of the vaccine and the side effects that may come from it. But my thing is my chances are way better at surviving. Uh, even if I do get mesothelioma, um, you know, it, it, with, with the vaccine. So I'm definitely getting it as soon as it's available. And no, I'm I'm not just going back out and back in the public and not necessarily for me, because even after, you know, I'm fully vaccinated and, and, and yes, it's in my system and I can't really get it or my chances are very, very low. I'm not going back to normal life for other people the people that aren't vaccinated. So until we hit that true herd immunity of everybody, 80, 90% of us are vaccinated or have had it in the past uh, and, and show that they, you know, they, they still have the antibodies. Um, then I'm still going to wear a mask. I'm still going to continue like we're doing today until I feel comfortable that Birmingham in general is uh, vaccinated. And then I can start moving in, uh, in Birmingham, but then I'm still not traveling because folks are like, Oh, once I get vaccinated, I'm going to, you know, France. I'm like, well, uh. everybody in France might not be, uh, you know, vaccinated. And so you shouldn't be going leaving. You shouldn't be going to Tampa, you know, uh, and, and traveling and just hanging out. It, it should be still controlled until it's really time. And we know that everybody is safe. Um, Guys, it, it is it's social responsibility. It's on all of us to protect all of us. So, you know, stop being selfish is really what I, I the only thing I can say. Just because you got it and survived, it doesn't mean you cannot wear a mask, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz. Ooh. So just throw that out there. Um, because uh, yeah, I've seen Rubio at like a douche and doesn't want to wear a mask because he's had it and he thinks he's good. You got to, it's, it's social responsibility. Just look left, look right. And, and you got to protect everybody, not just yourself. So that's all I got, man. Get off my soapbox. And I'll just take that as my parting shots too, man. <laughs> just so people know, according to Moderna's study, I mean, uh, BBC study, like even Moderna's um, vaccine is only 80.2% effective. Mm. 
So, so the, the don't the Pfizer one is what ninety five. I think so. Let okay. me look. Let's look that up real quick so we can provide that information for him. Well, while he's uh, looking that up, I'll get my parting shout out the way because I know we're running long on time. But just want to give a shout out to my cousin Kristen Flowers. Thanks for the Hello Fresh Christmas gift. We have been using it. Uh, it definitely, if you're like us, you've been in you've been in the house for the most part since last March. Probably sick of cooking, running out, running out of ideas on what to cook. Hello Fresh is like, I mean, it's a cool thing to like cook different things. But I just want to make sure people know it's not something that comes to your house that's already prepared. Like you still got to cook, prep, cut and all that stuff. Like it doesn't cut out the like the time of cooking. You still got to cook it. But it gives you different meals. I know Tabitha sent it to you, Ferg. Hope y'all enjoyed it. If not, I mean, I don't care. I'm not. A commercial for Hello Fresh, but I just thought it's pretty dope. You but Hello Fresh, we can be. Yes, just let yes. us know. Yes. yes. <laughs> Did you? No, I actually enjoyed it. So, um, when you called, I was finishing up dinner. So, I have a Hello Fresh meal that I cooked, and I really enjoyed it. So, my question to you is: Are you guys still on the trial, or are you you're paying for it now? We paying for. We went from four meals to three meals now because she said uh, one. A lot of the meals are very carb heavy, uh, so she cut, wanted to cut back on that. And it was a little pricey doing the four per week, so we cut it now to three per week. Yeah. So yeah, we do two per week because um, we know we're gonna just chill out on the weekend for the most part. Mm-hmm. But and we have young kids that really don't eat all. You know, they'll they'll eat chicken nuggets and French fries every day if you let them. <laughs> So having these fancy HelloFresh meals, because my question was, I keep seeing, I keep getting these emails for promotions, promotions. And I'm like, do I still qualify for these promotions? <laughs> you know, can I, can I cancel and then sign up for these promotions? Yeah. So actually, I might try that today. I'll let you know. And one other cool yeah. thing is you don't have to like keep going. Like if, if there's a week, like say Thanksgiving is coming up and you know, you're not going to need it. You can like not pay that week. So they're, they're very flexible with their payment plan. Okay. Yeah. Well, I really don't oh, have much. Oh, for right before uh, speaking of uh, you know, subscription services, I uh, just want to throw out there that uh, you know, my Savage Fenty uh, lingerie, I mean boxers are going to be coming. Uh, um, so I got my VIP to uh, the that and, uh, yes, yes, Thotten one hundred percent. So I'll I'll do an unboxing for everybody when they come, wow. just so y'all can. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll throw that up, that up on the website. Yeah, let me know so I'll know not to log into the page that day. <laughs> are you gonna are we gonna make a male thought t shirt for you, Rosie? No, I didn't say I'm gonna wear, like show it with me on. An unboxing is where you like open the box and show them off. No, and I'm stuff just saying like are we gonna make they, a male have, like whole videos about that stuff. So, so, uh, that's, so that's a no to the male thought t shirt. Yeah, no, I'm not doing okay. that. Okay, I'd have to check with Sharice. She might want me to do it. I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> was that Big Mama? What was her name? Yeah, yeah. I think it was Big Mama. Uh, well, uh, I want to thank you guys for all your your prayers and um, support over the last week. Um, for many of you guys don't know, my my stepdad who raised me uh, had a stroke last Friday. This not this past Friday, the Friday before, and it's still in the hospital. He's doing well, recovering, is in um, rehab now in Rotary Clinic. So my family and I have been through a lot this last week. And I just thank everybody for their prayers. And, you know, I don't tell a lot of people our, our business, but now that he's doing a lot better, Good. I'm feel, feeling feeling more comfortable. And it's just 
Once again, I tell everybody, if you have older family members, please check on their health. Make sure they have life insurance, health insurance, that they're taking their medication, that you have the that you have the power, a power of attorney. You know who their their first their first responders or their medical history, medical history, all their medication, who has who has uh, their living will, who have who has all that information, because you will see that if God, God willing, you guys don't have to experience any of that, but you'll, you'll see that there goes a lot when you're dealing with family and other people and you don't have all the information, it can be challenging. So the more information you have, um, the more prepared you are, the better things will be in the long run. So, and with that being said, what are you about to say, Buff? I was going to say one last thing, man, for the listeners, these two brothers have definitely worked with me on my schedule. I literally have no off days. I finally got one. We're recording on Sunday. I got one on Saturday. Uh, and, you know, it takes a lot for our three schedules to line up when I'm working a normal shift. But, you know, since January 6th, I've been working every single day. On top of that, we got the impeachment trial coming up in a couple of weeks. So for the listeners, man, I just for all of them, I just want to say to you two, thank you for working with me on this schedule. I know it's not easy. Uh, so we, we definitely it's important to us to put this show out to you guys every week. And uh, they are really making that happen as I literally work every day, 12 hours a day. So I just appreciate you two guys, man. I appreciate you, man. Keep doing what you're doing and stay safe, bro. Well, with that being said, it's three brothers, no sense. I'm Tavares Ferguson. Please continue to listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most important, listen again. Talk to you next week.